would get up at four in the morning. Okay. And I would do all my homework mm-hmm. and my papers in the morning and then go to work at 745. I'd work three and a half hours, go to work at 745, come home at 530 or almost six mm-hmm. and spend time with my family. That way I didn't have to come home and get on the computer and do my work. That's and awesome. With them sitting there and watching daddy would come in the room and watch TV with them. Right. So you prioritized your family even while you're going to school. That's yeah, awesome. but it was a gruel. It was a grind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was exhausted because I was taking a full course load. Wow. Because I said, I can full-time do this for two years. Full-time employee. Hey team, welcome to the Next Step Podcast. It is episode number 16, but we've got a great guy here who's number one, at least in Kristen's heart and Max's heart. This is Brad Lowe. Brad is our connections and impact pastor. And one of the things that we want to get accomplished in this is so you get to know people and their stories behind the scenes so that you can grow closer to them as you're taking your next step in your journey with Christ. So Brad, welcome to the Next Step Podcast. Thank you for having me. Coincidentally, 16 is my favorite number. Oh, is it really? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not my favorite number. <laughs> you just number. made that up. I just made Joe, that up right now. Joe Montana, right? Yeah, Joe well, Montana, Joe Montana but not my Joe favorite Montana. number. Not Hannah Montana, but yeah. Joe Montana. Joe Montana. All right, so Brad, you've got a really interesting story and a really interesting life. So kind of tell us about Brad and kind of what it was like growing up and the things you had lots of challenges you had to wave, wade through and go through. Yeah, I, yeah interesting. I, I guess I, I, I grew up, you know, I was young and uh, <laughs> I was young. You're I, young I, imagine that. I was young <laughs> as a child. Um, yeah, I grew up in a house and uh, that's another thing in a house. But my mom, she got ALS, and uh, she, Lou, Gehr- Lou Gehrig's disease, disease contracted that when I was, I mean, she was 28 when she got it. Wow. And um, How old were you? I was probably three. I think I was three when she got it. Wow. But she ended up, you know, going downhill, and, and I like to tell people, God gave me, God gave me some memories as a young child, because, you know, a lot of kids don't remember when they were four, four and a half, five years old. I can remember a few things about my mom, and uh, you know, I remember seeing her walk, and then go to a cane, and then go to a walker, and uh, then go to a wheelchair. And she called me her little nurse, her little doctor. Wow! Because I would, you know, rub lotion on her, because you know that disease takes your takes your mobility. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 leaves your brain intact, but it takes your mobility where you can't move. So I would help her do things. Even as a child, I would lay on her lap and, and, you know, rub, rub lotion on her arms. Cause she couldn't do that physically. Wow. And how old were you when that was happening? Five years oh, old? Oh, four. Four or five. Years I wasn't old? five. She died before wow. I turned five. Um, so then at 29, she, she ended up passing away. She, Man, I am so sorry. She went in to get a tracheotomy and, um, didn't, didn't make it. What was your mom's name? Hope. So when you get to heaven, we get to heaven, will you introduce me to your mom? I will. Because she did good. She brought yeah. you into the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and Max knows his Nana Hope, and, you know, we talk about her at home. We mm-hmm. never try to tell him it. You know, we don't pretend like she's not around. Right. Um, when he's bad, I'll say, uh, I'll, when, when, he, when I think he's lying, I'll say, promise on Nana Hope's grave. <laughs> That's our move at our house. They promise on Nana Hope's grave. And he'll go, I promise on Nana Hope. He won't say it. And I'll say, you're lying. Yeah, okay. That's my way to bust him. Yeah. I don't know why that works, but it does work at our house. Okay. So, you call him and say, I promise. Yeah. But it's got to be on It's got to be on Nana Hope's grave. Okay. All right. <laughs> you got to promise that. Well, Hope, thanks for giving us Brad. <laughs> yeah. He gives us hope. Yeah. So tell us some more about growing up and what that was like and some of the decisions you made and well uh you got a really interesting history. It it was you know, I I love sports, I love to watch sports and I I grew up the most unathletic kid, uh, who thought I was athletic. So, you know, I liked to shoot hoops and pretend I was gonna play in the NBA. That was my dream. I was gonna be an NBA black basketball player. Yeah. I already had my number picked out. Yeah. It wasn't sixteen. <laughs> and uh and then I realized I wasn't growing anymore. Like, whoa, this is it. And let me about five, six. But, you know, I, I, I grew up in a house that wasn't bad. I got everything I needed. Uh, I was taken care of. Uh, my grandma was, I was really close to my grandma, mm-hmm. my dad's mom. I was really close to her. Your dad's Jimmy and your stepmama's Ann. Yes. Right. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I loved my grandma. Uh, I feel like she was, she was, 
one of the greatest women of my life. And uh, I, I still miss her every day. I wish mm. she was still alive. Now, it was funny. Back then, I didn't, I couldn't imagine this. She died in 1994. She was 85 in 1994. Wow. So when I was born, she was 70. Okay. And, and back in the 80s, 70 was like 80. Okay. It wasn't like today where if you're 70, it's like you're 60. Yeah. Back then, she looked every bit close to 80. Wow. But she, she taught me how to ride a bike. I would spend every Friday, every Saturday night at their house, spend the night with them, and they'd take me to church yeah. on Sunday morning. Where'd you go to church? We would go to First Baptist <clears throat> Stanley. Okay. And I loved it because the pews were padded. Yeah. So I could lay down and take me a nice nap. <laughs> that was the move. You get to lay down and you take the nap. And right. So I was. That guy's talking up there and the people are seeing you oh, taking a nap. I didn't care. I was going to lay there. There were red pews. I'll never forget. There were red pews in there. Yeah. And I would lay in there and I would sleep. And, you know, I, I loved it. So then when my dad got remarried, we started going to Sandy Plains. Okay. And it was cool because my dad had never really gone to church with me. Whoa. Well, my watch is saying Seriously talking standing. to you over there. Uh, my dad had never gone to church with me and my grandma and my grandpa. Okay. But when we went to Sandy Plains, he would go with us. So okay. I enjoyed that. I got to go to church with them, and it, it was really cool. And I don't, I don't know if they had padded seats or not. I can't remember. <laughs> but I think I wasn't allowed to lay down at that age. You're like, you're not 10 years old. You're sitting up. Yeah. You got to listen. Right. But then, I, then there's children's church. Right. So I was active there. I loved being a part of that church. Okay. And that's where my foundation with Christ began, was at Sandy Plains. Um, so you're out there to Sandy Plains. You guys made a difference in Brad's life. Yeah, you did. Uh, I, I got to be in the youth group, and youth was amazing for me. Cool. You know, I, I was never the most popular kid in school, so I didn't have a ton of friends. And But in youth group, I felt like I was one of the most popular kids. Yeah. I'd show up. I could be whoever I wanted to be in youth group, but at school it was a lot tougher. Was there anybody in particular that was a leader in student ministry that made an impact in your life? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Randy Hand was my Randy Hand was my youth pastor. He's a pastor in North Carolina now. Um, okay. He he made the biggest impact on me because he saw in me what I couldn't see in myself, okay. and I try to. If you're watching this and you're listening to me and you know me. It's one of the traits I try to instill in people, and I tell people this all the time. I want you to see in yourself what you can't. I want you to see in yourself what, what God sees in you, not not yeah. the negatives, not the bad things, because yeah. we can easily come up with 100 bad things about ourselves. Yeah. But let's talk about five great things that we do. Yeah. And he let me see things that I could do that I never thought I could do. Like what were some of those things? Because here's a spiritual leader early in your life when you were a teenager mm -hmm. in high school, middle school. I was, I was in high school when he, I, okay. I, I think I was like 15, 14, 14. I was getting close to high school. I was, might've been ninth grade back then. Right. Ninth grade was junior high school. So I didn't go to high school till 10th grade. Okay. So yeah. what are some of those things that he affirmed in you? So he basically, he, he's moving away a lot of dirt to find the diamonds in Brad. What are some of those diamonds that he noticed? Here's what he did that you, you probably can relate to with me. He said, you're very creative. I want you to come up with, back then we had skits in youth group. Okay. You know, the skits. Like yeah, the skit thing. I don't know if they do. Do they do skits anymore? I don't know. We have I don't to talk know. to Justin about that and ask him. <laughs> do they do? But anyway, he <laughs> gave me what he said, whatever you want to do skit-wise. You create it. You come in and do it. You get the players that you want to be in it. So I would come up with. Script writer, producer, director. Oh, my gosh. I would be in school thinking about funny things we could do on stage, which yeah. is kind of like what I do now. Yeah. I think about funny things we can do, but it was in a 14 to 15 year old's brain. Yeah. But it still never stopped. I think that's really where it birthed my brain of being able to go, let's think outside here and let's look at there. And I would come up with the crazy, I had a talk show. I would do a talk show version where I'd interview people. Um, some things I probably can't even say on here yeah. that we did because I don't want to get us canceled. I mean, they're <laughs> not bad, yeah. but in today's world, this was early 90s. We could never do some of the stuff that I did. Yeah. I'll tell you off air. No. Um, <laughs> me too stuff. In this yeah. Well, okay. it wasn't me too. It wasn't, it wasn't 
please don't think that it wasn't okay. it was nothing bad it, okay it's just stuff that On i think edge. would would make people go wow i don't think they can do that yeah. but back then it was like ha 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 it's funny okay um but yeah i i got to use my creative brain and and i got to see more in myself what god sees in me Mm-hmm. And I accepted Christ at the youth service we did on a Tuesday night, and uh, it was fun. R- Randy, Randy, and Randy really poured into me. He would spend time with me, and he would cultivate in me what what God wanted from me. And I mm-hmm. really, you know. And then he left. Okay. He left my junior year, and I and it really. I was really sad about that. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people watching can relate to that as sure, a kid. Sure, that's pretty normal with youth ministers. Yeah, if Justin peaced out tomorrow, there'd be a lot of kids that would be just Absolutely. broken. So one of the things that we really are grateful for for the our church's longevity of our staff, and Justin and Bethany have had a real long-term commitment to us and make that kind of impact. So there are people that he's impacting now that were people like Randy for you. You were one of those. 100%, right? yeah. That's awesome. He is. And, and so what was the thing that flipped your switch? What... What made you on that Tuesday night say, "I'm giving my life to Christ"? What was what was what did it feel like? What was that conversion like? Oh, it was it was amazing. Uh, you know, I had gotten baptized years before my, uh, you know, my sister, my stepsister had walked down the aisle. So I followed her because I thought I can yeah, knock this I'm out. Do right that now. too. I just knocked this out. <laughs> I'm not by myself. I'm done, and I did it. But then this was real though, because I, I I had to walk down that aisle in front of people I knew right and stand there on August 30th 1994 almost 30 years ago wow next year walk down that aisle and stand there and go I love Jesus and I want to I want to be with Jesus when I die that's awesome and I'll never forget it he bought me this cool bible he was so proud of me yeah and um so was it a youth revival was it a revival of the old church it was like collision it was like collision, collision here, okay. except we called it rap, reaching all peers. By the way, a lot of people out there might not know collision. The theme is where life and faith collide, and it's not that our student ministry is a wreck. Instead, it's about the collision. It's definitely point, not a wreck. The contact point. Yeah, so we did reaching all peers, and uh, I walked down the aisle and accepted Jesus that night, and um, it was great. So then I became, I became a holier than thou Christian. Did you? Oh, hundred percent. Like yeah. I can relate to people that are like that. You. You know, I, I started wearing the, the shirts, only the Christian shirts, and, mm-hmm. and listening to only the Christian music and um, condemning people who didn't listen to Christian music. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny. My, my dad would joke with me. He'd say, you're like one of those people that quit smoking for like a day and you fuss at smokers. Yeah. <laughs> and <then laughs> saying, I can't believe you smoke. And they're like, well, you just quit like 20 hours ago, Brad. Yeah. So that's how I was. But Probably you got really annoying. Radically saved. I did. Like and, I was. And like, you wanted to be really gods. Yeah, right? I wanted to be great. But then, you know, life happens, and eventually those t-shirts go away, and you start putting your normal shirts back on. And mm-hmm. you, you graduated start, from high school. Yeah. And then you had a decision to make about what to do. What did you do? What did you decide to do? Oh my gosh! So on April Fool's Day of nineteen ninety-seven. Okay. I joined the Navy. Okay. And they took a little Polaroid of me taking my oath. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. And um, left, and uh, I was excited. But then with the, the night I flew out to go to, to boot camp, Right. I remember the night before I was laying in my hotel room, scared to death. Okay. Because, like, what have I got myself into? I remember crying in the bed by mm. myself. Wow. And uh, next day I get on that bus. I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And um, got there, and they got on the bus. We got the, they, they get you there late, like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, because they want you to be disoriented. They get on that bus, and they just dog cuss you, man. They are, is the worst. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh. But I refuse to ever cry. I was like, I will never cry. Yeah. Because I made this decision, and I'm going to make it work. Inside, I might be crying, but outside, oh. I'm not letting them see. I cried inside all the time because you it is tough. Yeah, but it is. And uh, I don't know if it's as tough now because we're in, in a world where it's, things are a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But back then, in the 90s, yeah. it, wasn't, it was no joke 
I can't imagine and doing it. a lot it. of people didn't believe you were going to be able to make it, right? No, people thought I couldn't make it. I was little. Well, you got to understand, when I graduated, I wasn't as fat as I am now. So Healthy. <laughs> I wasn't healthy, yes. I wasn't as healthy as I am now. I came in here, which y'all didn't see. I was eating a milkshake before we <laughs> took the... Um, so you're five, six, and how much uh, you I was like in? five, six, 117 pounds. Okay. Yeah, so right. the wind blows, and... But, you know... The wind blows, you blow away? Yeah. There was a my, my drill instructor there. I'll never forget him. It's funny how people can impact your life Yep. in just a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. We're talking 10 weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and where were you, actually? I was in Great Lakes, Illinois, Great Lakes, Illinois. about an hour north of Chicago. Okay. And he impacted my life. He impacted my career in just 10 weeks. And the way he did it was... He, he again saw in me what I couldn't see in myself. Okay. And I remember we were in line to eat and he comes over and you never want them coming over to you. That's the rule. Like if they right. come over to you, you're dead. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, dead. I'm do? dead. I'm dead. He's coming over and he comes over and he goes, low. And I said, what? what? He goes, did you iron your shirt with a brick? And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm about to be. I'm going to get humiliated right here in front of everybody. And I looked at him, and you got two choices. You can say, yeah, I used a brick, which I didn't. Or you can tell him the truth and say, I don't know how to iron, because I had never ironed. Yeah. And I said, I said, no, I don't know how to iron. And I thought, oh, he's going he's gonna to brutalize me out here. Yeah. And he looked at me, and he had a choice. He could drop me and make me do push-ups and, and dog cuss me, or... He could teach me. Yeah. And he said, when we get back, come by my office, and I'll teach you how to iron. Wow. And What's his name? Uh, Remember? Chief, I think it was Chief Williams. Chief I, Williams. I might be. Uh, Chief Williams, you're still 20, alive out there. He ironed his shirt today, yeah. you see? 26 years is a long time of that. But he taught me how to iron. And my wife would joke. That's really interesting. I never would have thought that somebody would have done that. Uh, me either. Instead and I think about him when I iron. And, I, and, I, and I'm notorious for ironing our house. Like, okay. I iron clothes all the time. If I want to go out, I'm going to iron my shirt. Yeah. But I ball them up when I fold them. I don't care because okay. I'm like, well, I'm just going to iron them. Yeah. doesn't matter. But I think about what he taught me there. Hmm. And he, 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 never, he never punished me ever the whole time. Anytime I did anything wrong, he would teach me. Wow how to how to do it right and he punished guys like i saw him brew and, and maybe it's because i was tiny he felt sorry for me uh i was quiet i didn't talk a lot um because you don't want to talk much there and uh but he he helped shape my naval career because i never forgot what he taught me there yeah and i carried it on in what i do even to this day i think about like i said when i'm ironing i think about him and that's 26 years ago Right, taking that time to teach me, and I and I learned, and I never needed him to tell me again. Wow, yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, so you go in the Navy, and mm-hmm. then what did you do? Where did you serve? Were you all over the world? I served in. Well, I served in Meridian, Mississippi, for a little while, and whew, that was boring. Yeah, hot too. Uh, hot and boring, and it was funny. I was just joking with my dad about it a couple months ago. I decided to. I flew everywhere, but I decided because I wanted to be cheap, I was going to show up at the command in Mississippi. I was going to ride a train. Okay. So I remember he dropped me off at the Amtrak at like four in the morning. Okay. I was excited. This was back before iPhone days. So I had a magazine to read and my Walkman. It was the longest ride to Meridian, Mississippi. It had, I think it was 15 hours. Wow. It was at least 15 hours. I was, I could not, I will never ride a train again. I yeah. just don't have the patience. And I kept saying to myself, why didn't I fly? Because yeah. you, you only read the magazine for so long. I read it cover to cover probably twice on the trip. It was that long. But yeah, rode there in Meridian, Mississippi, stayed there for a few months, got stationed in San Diego. Okay. Loved it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was a great it was a great opportunity to see the world. You know, went to Australia, Singapore, Thailand, Middle East, uh, you know, Dubai, 
uh, got to see all these cool places. That's so awesome. I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade my naval days for anything. Yeah. So you're in the navy for how long? Four years. Okay, and then you get out in your 24, 25, uh, 22? Uh, no, 22. 22, okay. A young 22. All right, and then what did you do? Well, um, <laughs> I, I moved home with my parents. I actually had a girlfriend out there okay. in San Diego. Some okay. of you, it was funny, my wife, uh, so I, I, was, I was dating my insurance agent. Okay. Which could be a power move at the time because <laughs> i don't know I, I wasn't saving any money but um she wanted me to stay out in california i'm like nah i'm gonna move home and so we kind of broke up and yeah. then she was gonna fly here and see me but then 9 11 happened and she never came mm. but i moved home got a job at uh, uh fedex i think okay yeah i was working at fedex going to school i was gonna be a history teacher okay I've Did you always go to Central Piedmont or to Gaston. I went to Gaston, and then okay. I was actually going transferred to UNC Charlotte. Okay, and I was going to be a history teacher, and then got a job at the post office. Okay, and that changed my whole course because I'm like, you know what? I don't care to. Be, I don't have to be a history teacher. I can just deliver a mail for the rest of my life. Okay, so um, started delivering mail in 2005. Uh, and continue to do that left left school didn't finish school and just loved carrying mail loved being outside loved the the chance to walk around and interact with people interact with people even though i was not that much of a people person mm -hmm. at that point in my life you definitely I, are now you know, I, I have to force myself sometimes, though, because there's times I don't really feel like talking, and I have to just force myself to to talk because there's sometimes I'd rather just sit back and watch people talk and right. and listen to what, what they're saying. Check them out. Check them out, yeah. But then I was more of put my earbuds in, listen, and do my thing. And uh, For those of you that are out there, Walkman used to be this thing, this box is about that big, and you would t open it and put in a cassette tape. Or then we had CDs, and you could make it yeah. a Walkman, and that now obviously digitally streaming. I had a whole book of CDs. And oh, I bet were, you did. They were all scratched. Yeah. Because I never took good care of them. I would just scratch them and be like, why is it skipping? Yeah. You know? And I love it. I remember being out at an ocean, in the ocean one night, and my Walkman broke. I was so mad. You took like, it with you out in the ocean? Well, on the boat, like uh, when you're on a ship, you okay. you end up seeing the same person all the time. So we 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 didn't see anybody but who was on the boat. So I would listen to, I would read a ton of books. Yeah, and I'd listen to my CDs, and I remember it broke, and I was like, I'm gonna have to buy one in in Dubai. Right. But until we get there, this ain't gonna work. So I just flung it over the boat. And like, <laughs> Yeah, that's that was my garbage heap. I would just throw it all the, of course, all the people listening that think. Oh that, yeah, all the environmentalists. Lit, litter, you know. He's a lot more mature now. Yeah. He's not littering the sea. I threw yeah. those uh, plastic things that hold cans. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. That's the worst. That's where the fish get stuck in there. Yeah. They die. No, I didn't do that. Yeah. Let's um, not do that. No, but yeah, what you don't know is we would dump garbage. We'd have garbage dumping day on the back of the boat, and all of us would stand back there and just do the bags and. The whole ocean would be littered with our garbage as we're moving. Wow. Yeah. Would would fish come up and eat it and stuff like that? I guess. It would just sink to the bottom. Oh, wow. I just but we couldn't throw plastic. Or anything like that. No, I never saw a shark. We would okay. see we would see dolphins and whales, but I, I never saw a shark. Huh. I don't think I'd want to see a shark. <laughs> Not that close. Right. Yeah, because we would have like... So how big was the boat that you were on? It was a destroyer. We had... 350 people on there. Wow. They don't really have just plain destroyers anymore. What was the name of it? The John Young. The John Young. Yeah. One was, of the astronauts. Yeah. John Young was an astronaut. Yeah. Yep, I remember yeah. him. And they decommissioned it in 2002. Okay. Sunk it in 2004. Okay. Because they don't, they don't need it anymore, I guess. So, they, so when they sink them, where do they take them to sink them? They took it up to Oregon, okay. if I remember right, or Washington, and stripped it down, mm -hmm. and then they tow it out. She keeps talking. Tow it out to Hawaii in okay. that area. Yeah, 
and then ships come subs will do target practice on it okay and i've got pictures of it getting like blown away wow you're seeing like the flames and it's it's like going underwater that's weird isn't it it's sad because it's like watching someone you've been a part of right and you're it's died in front of your eyes your home blow up right it is because i can look at places on that boat and remember things that happened there yeah like like i can remember we had this is embarrassing but we had uh we had to do gun quals and i never lived this down this was 1998 they're like we're gonna have some gun quals yeah out in the ocean so calls qualifications qualification yeah we have a gun qualification we need you to shoot a shotgun out in the middle of the ocean okay well, I'd never shot a shotgun before. Uh-huh. I loaded it wrong. Oh, no. So they had to come over there and like really work to try to get the shell out because I put it in the wrong way. And they were like, how did you do that? So <laughs> for the next three years, I was made fun of oh. like merc- all the time. You can't load a shotgun right. And I laughed about it. But yeah. I think about it's that still, too yeah. every time I shoot a shotgun. Sure. Yeah. So you shoot one now, though, right? Put that thing up against your shoulder, get get it ready. For, <laughs> I don't know. That big kick. I've, I've never been a shotgun shooter. I don't I'm just not the Yeah. I don't I don't I don't pack heat. You're more of a clue kind of yeah. guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't pack heat when I'm walking or around. Or a fantasy football. One of the things you are is a fantasy football expert. I we'll learned that, that in football and in, in delivering mail. Did you? That's okay. My, my, we'll get to that in a few minutes too. So you delivered mail for 17 years, right? No. 14, but 14 with my years. military, it would have been 17. Oh, I see. So they yeah. gave you military credit for military that. Military credit. So, yeah. what are some of the things you learned while you're delivering mail? Incidentally, be nice to your mailman out there. This is going to help you understand why you need to be nice to your mailman. I learned that lower income families are really nice to the mailman. Wow. And higher income families treat the mailman like their servant. Really? Yes. Wow. So I had so many more. Do you know why? Well, back then, I don't think it's as much that way now, but back then, the lower-income families, on the third day of the month, they want their check. Welfare, welfare checks would come in. So, so they treat you with respect because you're bringing the, you're, they're living to them. You're bringing their money. Right. Higher-income families look at you more like um, garbage man you just got to get the you're, you're there to do a service for them right which isn't bad i mean it doesn't matter to me which however you look at me well but it makes everybody stop and think and understand you know postmen have feelings too <laughs> yeah and right? i had one guy i had one guy one time I'll, I'll never forget i was eating at sake and this older gentleman walks up and he throws his letter in my food and says mail this no kid. No, I'm not exaggerating. You listeners, I promise you I'm telling the truth. And he walked out, and I looked at that letter, and I thought, one, Mel is extremely gross. Right. And it was like touching my food. Wow. Like he had no courtesy about my meal at all. And Saki's expensive now. It wasn't that bad then, but it's right. a little higher now. I, I could do two things. One, the right thing, and mail it. Or two, I could really mess this guy up. Mm-hmm. So... uh I, I, please don't look at me any differently, but I, <laughs> you messed I up. scribbled out his return address yeah, and messed up the where it was going and put it in the mail so it would just go to dead letter. It would never get anywhere. And in my brain, I'm like, this guy, he threw mail in my food. Like, yeah. what is he thinking? Yeah. It was weird. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do that today. Yeah. But back then, I was we'll like... We'll edit this out so the U.S. Postal Service won't yeah. dock you for not mailing that letter. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Please don't dock me. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that was just rude. It's but interesting, though. It is. People are, di- are keyed differently. I right. would never do that. Right. What are some other lessons you learned from being a postman? Uh, to persevere. You know, there's days where it was 105 degrees, and mm-hmm. then the truck has no air, so the truck's like 120. So if you're seeing your mailman out in July and August... right. Give them a Gatorade. Give them a water or something because they they are hot in there. It is yeah. hot. Will they accept it from you? Because the guy we used to have, I tried to give him water. And it was really? Hot. He would not take it. Oh, I would have took it. Uh, yeah. I had customers want to give me food all the time. Yeah. And if you know me very well, you know I don't like eating food from people that I don't know what their kitchen looks like. Yeah. You're so always I, expecting that. And kitchen inspection things with restaurants you go to. Oh well, no. See what their score I, I trust is. Them. I just don't know if you've got like you're you're smoking over the food. You've got ten cats on your counter. Yeah. 
And um, so I'd always say, thank you so much for your food. And then I would go trash it when they weren't around. Okay. Um, but. So if you're out there you're watching, <laughs> thanks for the thought anyway. Yeah, thanks for the thought, but you don't have to make me anything. Okay. Um, but they did. They Customers were sweet. They would take care of you. Uh, but it's hot and you got to persevere through that. Yeah. And, you know, it led me to grow in Christ because that became my mission field. Mm-hmm. And so I got married, married Kristen. Yes. Yeah, so tell us how that happened. How did you meet? Uh, met her on eHarmony. Okay. So eHarmony works if you're honest about the questions, right? I was honest. I was like, you know what? I think I really want to meet a good girl. And she was the prettiest one that that I had a match with because the way eHarmony works is you can't like contact them. Yeah. You just get seen the picture and then eHarmony will send them, send you questions to answer on her behalf and okay. blah, blah, blah. So we did that. So it took us almost two weeks before we actually got and exchanged numbers. Okay. So it's a good way to actually get to know the person yeah. without, you know. I used to think it was the dumbest thing in the world that somebody would go online to meet somebody. But now that I've been a pastor for gosh, over 20 years and heading toward 30, I think it's actually a really good way to meet people because you want to go meet some random person in a bar, you want to go meet some random person at some kind of social event, and you hope you match up. But if you actually go in and you take the initiative to answer those questions honestly, and they do as well, then you really understand what that kind of person is, what you're getting into, right? Yes. I think eHarmony is a better version uh, it's better than like Tinder yeah. Or, yeah. or any of those because, you know, back then they didn't have those sites. Right. But I hear all the time from young adults when we're in group or we're talking that it's so hard in the dating field now because they can just swipe to the next person. If you, it's like you're always wanting one step better than what you got. Right. And I'm grateful Kristen wasn't like that, and she actually, she actually gave me a shot. Yeah. And, um, and so how long did you date before you got married? Uh, I remember this time, by the way. Ten months. Ten yeah, months. we were here. Ten. I think we dated ten months. Two thousand and eight. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Okay. okay. We met. We met July third, two thousand nine. Right. And we got married on June nineteenth, two thousand ten. So we weren't even together a year. Okay. But when you know, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was perfect. She was perfect for me. She puts up with me, and um, you know, you got some really cool things that you've done together as well, too. So as you've been married you've kind of grown in your spiritual journey as well, too. So tell us about some of those steps that you've taken. I know that you, when you jumped in, you were first kind of just stuck your toe in the water. You were in a small group with me and Ronnie Hallman, Becky Hallman, one or two other people, and then you just started getting more and more mature and taking steps. So what are some of those steps that helped you to really ultimately follow your calling as far as God's call for your life? I think the biggest step for us and i would tell this to any married couple watching the biggest step is praying with your spouse okay if you can't pray with the woman you love or the man you love it's going to be so hard to grow in christ with that person because mm. you got to be vulnerable you have to be honest and i had to get to a point where i could do that uh, you know I, I wasn't ready for that when we first got married and it took time and Kristen's way more was way more open than I was. I was more closed off. Now I I'm not. I'm very open about everything with Kristen. Mm -hmm. But it took time. It didn't start out that way. So if new so intimacy with God together makes you men intimate with one another. Hundred percent. If you if you can't be intimate with God, it's so harder. So much harder to be intimate with your wife or your husband. Mm -hmm. And when we got married. I wasn't the man of our house. Kristen was basically the spiritual leader. I was a man, but I wasn't spiritually leading. Mm -hmm. She was spiritually leading. And then once I started spiritually leading, our, what did that mean? Did you start dragging around the house by her hair? Oh gosh, no, no. When what we say spiritual lead, leading, yeah, spiritual leading, she wanted me to take initiative. She wanted me to say, good. I'm glad you're not misogynistic. Or oh, abusive. no, please don't take a that. A lot of people out there believe when you know, a man is taking the lead, it's a, it's a bad thing. No, but. and let me clarify that. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it's not me doing anything to, to, to show Kristen that I'm a dude. It's more of she wanted me to be, to be like, you know what? Let's pray about that right now. Mm -hmm. Let's pray about this mm -hmm. instead of her always going, 
you know, hey, Brad, I think we need to pray about this. Can she you wanted do you this? to take the initiative. She wanted me Sweet. to show that, yeah, it wasn't me being the man of the house. Because in our family, Kristen and I, we talk about things and we agree on things. Everything we do, we always agree on it. And there's nothing I do that she doesn't agree on. So, so it's not that you agree on everything, but when you do agree on something, you're agreeing together about yes, it. Yes, we always agree together. Now, there's things she does that drives me up the wall. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm sure you don't do anything that drives No, there's people. nothing I do that drives her <laughs> up the wall, but there's a million things she does. and <laughs> No better than that. No, but it, so she would, you know, but at the, end of the, at the end of the day, when we lay down in bed at night, we don't go to bed angry. We talk it out, and, you know, she may not want to snuggle with me, mm-hmm. but, but she's not, like, I'm just not speaking to you. Right. And... So she wanted me to be. The, she wanted me to take the lead as being a spiritual leader in the house, and I, when I embraced that, and I said, "You know what? Let's pray together. Let's do this. Let's do that." Her eyes lit up with joy because this was the man she wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. It, so you've prayed about some pretty big things. So what was one of the first things? There's a big step for you. I mean, there's there's lots of steps in your spiritual journey, but one actually happened inside the life of our church. Let's see if you can guess what I'm talking about. You started doing what? Uh, well, we started praying about a few things. One uh, was plant a church. Okay. Is that what you're talking about? I was thinking about that and leading a group, too. Oh, yeah, leading a leading a group. A we too. did lead it. We led a married group together. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved it. I love leading with my wife. And when I say something bad, she'll always kick me. Or uh, yeah, she'll, a, she'll sharpen you, sand off sharpen, the rough edges. She she sharpens me a lot. But you're really good at that too. Your group was well attended, and um, there's still a strong remnant of people that are here from that time when you were leading a couples group. Yeah, I'm. You're. It, God really blessed that group. We flourished. Uh, we led it for years and uh, loved it. It was Monday night. We had food. Mm-hmm. We had a small little ranch house, and we had 30, 35 people that would be there every every Monday night. It was That's like cool. a mini church at, at to yeah. some extent. Yeah. Um, loved it. Loved it. Uh, I would say that a good way to think about a group is a smaller church that, gra- that gathers together inside a larger church because really the word church means gathering, ecclesia mm-hmm. in the Greek. And so you were, you were really kind of leading a small church. And inside the church and leading a group leading that group god really worked through me and on me because now i love groups Mm -hmm. and it's what i do for a living champion for our groups in church yeah and i I was just saying yesterday in connection point you know we're going to talk about groups next week and i said i'm the group's pastor so of course i'm going to take this opportunity to talk to you about groups because i want that for you so yeah growing in the in groups god was already taking and using me in ways I couldn't see how I could be used. Cause right. you never feel worthy to do anything. Right. Especially, you know, when you're called to lead a group, you know, I, people have told me before, I just don't feel like I'm, I'm called to do it. And I'm like, you, you don't see it, but you are right. God wants this for you. You will see it. Right. And, um, so we led groups for years and loved our married group. And, uh, and then you became, a leader inside the life of our church, besides being a group leader, you became an, an elder. Right? Yeah. I've, because you recognize your maturity and what God had done in your life, and that's cool. Yeah, I started serving in the parking lot, waving. Okay. You're good at that. Yeah. I it, it, Back then, it was this, you know, and I sit out there, and I loved it. I loved standing in the parking lot. For, for anyone watching, they, they can hear this and go, well, I can start in the parking lot, too, and grow. Sure. You just take steps. It's all about steps. It's all about steps. We right. have that. Do we not have that graphic? Yeah. With the steps? Yeah. And you see each step you take, and then you start back over when you get to the top. and you just... Absolutely. And so I became an elder, and I, I, I loved it, uh, although we did have some really long meetings. I think they would last four. <laughs> back then, they would be four-and-a-half-hour meetings at times. I'd be like, oh, oh my gosh, these are really long. Yeah. I'd come I don't know they're ever that long, but that, I know at least some we have two hour meetings sometimes. Oh, Kristen would say, "What? Where you what been? did y'all do? Why'd you? Why'd you? You didn't come home last night." I'm like, "Elder meeting. We were there all night." Wow. I'm kidding. We, um, but then something happened out of that experience. She served as an elder for a while, and I remember one day you came to me with one of your friends named Trent, and you said, "Hey, 
I want to help Trent start a church, right? Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I remember this phone call. Clears the bell. Trent and I were on the phone talking, and we would we talk every day. I mean, it. We still talk three or four times a week. I was actually talking to him before I walked in here today. Cool. And um, he was like, you know, I, God wants more f- from me. I know. And I said, you know what? I feel like we should go plant a church. Yeah. And he said, I think we should. And I was like, whoa, he really wants to do this. Yeah. So he quit his job. Yeah. Went all in. And I followed him. I didn't quit my job. And, uh, and I remember the day you came and said, okay, Trent wants to start a church. I'm solid here and I'm staying here. And I said, no, nah, you need to go with Trent to do this, right? You remember yeah. that? But I stayed I for a little while. I had to push you out the door, right? But I didn't want to leave. It was like, I love the Point Church, but I also love Trent. And I know what Trent's going to do. And I want to be there to help him. Yeah. And so you did that for a while. I did that. Salvation for- Church was launched when? 2016. And how old is it? So it's now seven years old? Yeah, seven years. Seven years old. 2016 is when it was launched. Right. And I was still an elder, so I left in 2017, the first part of 20, like January or February, and went there full time. Uh, as a volunteer. As a volunteer. I wasn't attending Salvation Church on Sundays, mm-hmm. but I was helping them. I was, walk, I was canvassing neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Trent, Trent would joke that I can easily walk up to a door. Sure, because you're used to doing it as a postman. Talk to people, and and uh, we would do that, and we would tell people about Salvation Church, and church planning was fun uh, to do. It was something different. Yeah, and, and so you at the Boys and Girls Club for a while, and now Salvation Church meets, if I remember correctly, at Rankin Lake Baptist Church, Rankin where Andrea Lake. and I were married years ago, where she grew yes. up as a church. Rankin Lake, we yeah, they meet in the gym, and... I love that they've been together seven years. They're growing, and I was only there for three years. But you know, it was it was a great three years seeing Trent grow. And right, you know, I love Trent, man. He's a he is a rock solid as they come. Yeah, he's a great guy. And, so we came alongside for those that are in our church that don't know this. And when they were first started, we bought the chairs that they've been using. Still use Since them. the time, right? And mm. how, many church, how many chairs do we buy? 100 chairs. 100 chairs. They still use them. And we do things like that for other church that are plant, churches that are planting because we want to help God's kingdom to grow in that kind of way. So we sent Brad, or Brad left, to go help at Salvation Church, and we bought some resources for them over time, helped them with some outreach events. And then you decided, okay, about school. Well, what about school? So, one, I want to say I never felt like I left the Point Church because no. I always loved the Point Church. I never stopped talking to you guys. Um, and so I was work, I was working and going to help Trent. We were doing all that. So then I said, Kristen, I want to go back to school. She, she said, all right, well, really? And I said, yeah. So I applied. How did you want to finish college? I wanted to get my degree. And so she's like, okay. So in 2017, after I left the point church to go there full time, I started going to school. While you're still working in the post office. While I'm still working. So when were you doing studies? So. Here's when I would do my studies because I love my family and I did not want them to sacrifice. I would get up at four in the morning. Okay. And I would do all my homework mm-hmm. and my papers in the morning and then go to work at 745. I'd work three and a half hours, go to work at 745, come home at 530. Or almost six, mm-hmm. and spend time with my family. That way, I didn't have to come home and get on the computer and do my work. That's and awesome. With them sitting there wishing Daddy would come in the room and watch TV with them. Right. So you prioritized your family even while you're going to school. Yeah, awesome. but it was a gruel. It was a grind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was exhausted because I was taking a full course load. Wow. Because I said I can full-time do this for two years. Full time employee, and yeah. you're full time, or at least half time, helping with Salvation Church, right? Yeah, mo- I was helping them a lot still do things and yeah. school and being a dad to Max and being a husband to Kristen. And it was it was grueling. But when I graduated, I did it in two years yeah. and got it. And I was never happy. So this is 2019 we're talking about now, right? Two thousand. I was 2018. I knew I had one more semester. I yeah. was, well, I had close to a semester and a half left. That's when God was like, I think you need to leave the post office. Okay. 
And I heard it. I started hearing it in 2018. Like, not hearing God say it, of course, but I started feeling it in my heart. Like, mm-hmm. and I remember telling Kristen, hey, you're calling. If, if I'm still delivering mail at 50, I've ignored God. I said that to her. I said, mm-hmm. I have told God no. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. And I remember I came home one day and I said, I think I'm going to go into full-time ministry. I'm going to leave the post office. Yeah. And my wife was like, okay. There wasn't like, are you crazy? Not doing that. You're stupid. Like, because if you're a mailman listening to this, nobody leaves the post office. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I never saw anybody quit. Like, mm-hmm. nobody quits the post office. Wow. You, you can't get fired there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could come in and set the place on fire and mm-hmm. I'd still keep a job. Mm-hmm. But you never did. No, I never did. <laughs> no, never did. I was actually a great worker. Um, I bet you were. I. Because you are now. Yeah, well. I tried, and I, I told Kristen, this is what I got to do. So, hardest thing for me was to call Trent and say, I'm I'm going to do it. And really, it was the best thing, because I called him, and he goes, are you crazy? He said, I knew you were going to do this. He said, yeah. I would have been sad if you didn't do this. Yeah. Like, yeah, he said, it's it's okay. I love you. You're, it, it's going to be, God's got, going to use you. And he was so excited for me because I worried, oh my gosh, Trent's going to think I'm leaving him because I get to work with my best friend. Mm-hmm. We get to create cool things to do. And now I'm just leaving him without me. Yeah. And um, you felt like you're leaving him high and dry, but he was excited. He wanted to push you out. He did. In this. He said, we can't, we're never going to replace you, mm. but there's no other Brad that's going to be, that works with me like you do. But man, I don't want to, I don't want you here. Like God's got bigger things for you. So, I worked on a resume. I called you. Christmas. Christmas. It 2018 was, or 19? 2018. Okay. Called you, and I said, hey, can I just have you as a resume? Because I was submitting applications. I was submitting resumes like I was like I was submitting a ton. Yeah. And I was right. like, oh, we're going to move. I, I said, we're going to move somewhere. Yeah. So, I was submitting them all across the country. And um, then you... You called me, or Doug called me, mm-hmm. and Doug Irvin used to be on our staff. Doug, yes, Doug Irvin, and I was an elder when we hired Doug, mm-hmm. so I knew Doug. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to stay with him very long though, because I was gone. Right after he came on board, I left. Right, and um, he wanted to meet with me to help coach me through some ways to handle jobs. Mm-hmm. So I would meet with Doug periodically and if it, you know Doug loves to do some coaching yeah he still does it today he does that's right um he w- he just enjoys coaching people and he was coaching me and next thing you know he said well Brad what if we could bring you on as an intern mm-hmm. for 20 hours a week mm-hmm. and I was so conflicted I went home and I told Chris, and I said, I want to do that, but I don't think I can. Mm. I don't think that I have the energy. I feel like I wouldn't be giving you what you want. Because I, I was still in school. I was still being a husband, and I was still, you know, busy. And now at to add 20 more hours... I don't, I didn't, and I remember coming back to to Doug, I think it was you, and you were there, and you said, well, what if you went back to one class a semester? Mm -hmm. And I remember leaving there going, I don't want to do that, because I've I've set a goal in my brain. I want to be finished. I want to be finished. I want to be able to look at you and go, I have my degree. Mm -hmm. Like, I I, I can do this. I have my degree. And um, I'll never forget, like, we met. Me, you, and Doug at at Starbucks, uh, and you're like, you know what? And if this is not the right story, correct me on this. <laughs> you probably remember better than I do. I remember because it, it it changed my life because it changed everything. Um, you said we want to go ahead and just bring you on full time, mm-hmm. and you quoted Mike. Mm-hmm. 
you said Mike was saying we need to just do it. We need to bite the bullet now because mm-hmm. we're not going to get, we're both going to lose if we're trying to use him part-time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were like, uh, maybe it was Mike said I'm a bull in a china shop. I don't know, but <laughs> I remember that too because I was like, oh my gosh. I went home and said, Chris, am I a bull in a china shop? She said, you very much are a bull in a china shop. I said, okay, well. Well, people love you tell you what they, what they think. Right? My wife especially. And uh, so I was like, cool, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Full-time, man, I'll do it. And So you jump in, when was it in 2019? I started April 1st. April 1st, 2019. Yeah, April 1st, 2019. So we're Global 6K for Water that year. We're raising money for children in, in Ethiopia and yeah. in Africa. And then... 2020 happens right in the middle of everything, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. And that's tough for people like you and I. Absolutely, because we like to be around people. We want to be around people. Yep. And me and you were creating things to do, remember? Yep. We were handing out toilet paper. Yep. We were anyway Hand sanitizer. <laughs> any way me and you could come up with to meet people, we would try to do it out there. Absolutely. And, and then we had the opportunity to do the food processing station for World Vision where we received trailers of food during the pandemic and deliver and you, you really took advantage of helping to be a high impact person there and we're trying to have some people that have some semblance of groups since so we had some virtual groups and some things like that even though we couldn't meet together at least we didn't think safely at that time although we were, really did not meet for only a couple of months we, we got, got felt back like two years in it, my brain it, did, it really did it was interesting but so now Fast forward to 2023 and tell us kind of what you're doing now and some of the steps that God has helped you take even in recent years and what God's doing in your life right now. Well, um, I'm still using my brain to try to be creative in things to reach people. Mm -hmm. I love reaching people through coffee, even though I don't drink it. Um, You know, we have the coffee ministry, so I'm, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to, to work with enhancing it so you know mm-hmm. now we have ice drinks uh cappuccinos espressos lattes lattes it's it's everything you want it's all free um but it's a good touch it's a touch with someone that maybe sees me on a sunday and doesn't know me mm-hmm. and i can come up and talk to them at the coffee bar um you know god's god's really wanted me to focus more on on growth so I'm, I'm going back to school, which I'm excited about, but no worries. Going to work on your master's degree at work Southern on, Seminary? Yeah, going back to seminary, um, Southern Theological mm-hmm. Seminary in uh, Louisville. Mm-hmm. And, and, Although uh, you'll be mostly going online, right? Yeah, I'll be online virtual, but I, I'm only taking one class. Mm-hmm. As I had my wife made me promise, hand it, she said, you got to raise your hand and promise this, that I wouldn't do more. And I was like, trust me, I, the degree is not even the. Of course, I want the degree, but it's not my goal. Yeah, your goal is to learn something. My goal is to learn more. So, mm-hmm. when people at church need something, I'm equipped mm-hmm. in my tool belt to help them. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not now, right? But I'll be way more equipped when I learn more. So I'm excited about so that. You're constantly on a growth pattern. I really appreciate that about you too. So tell people about what your role is and. It connections and groups and impact and the connection point new thing that you just started this year so with our team yeah connections i love i love connecting people um i love seeing people seeing themselves they didn't see in themselves yesterday like we talked about earlier and pushing them to to try something new you know we were courtney and i were meeting with Matt, Matt helps me out. Courtney helps me out mm-hmm. in my ministry stuff. And I, I remember Courtney part said, the team. they're part of the team. Courtney said to Matt, Brad's going to push you, but you'll, you'll be a better person when you're done. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to challenge you to do things that you don't think you can do. Right. Trust me. She said, trust me. I know. Right. Um, and that's what I like to do. So connecting people, pushing people to, to, to be better. The way you push me to be better in what I do. Um, that's that's what I like to do with connections. Uh, outreach. My love 
I love helping churches and being seeing church planters grow. Mm-hmm. You know, my heart is with church planters, um, and seeing seeing them because it's tough. If you've never church planted, you don't. It's like starting a business, kind of. Yeah, you, a business for God. It is. You can't even. It's so hard to relate. I, I don't want to ever go back to church planting, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to relate if you've never been through that. So mm-hmm. outreach. I love what our church does. Outside the four walls. Mm-hmm. I brag about that all the time to people. We actually had some Mormons come up to our house yesterday. Yeah. And they were like, what did your church do? And I got to tell them all the things we do, and I loved it. In the community. In right. the community, yes. Not like, just inside the wall. Oh, I didn't talk anything inside. Yeah. I said, we we help. We're, we, we're, we're with World Vision. We, you know, we help, uh, We you know, Guatemala. We have Guatemala. We, we I was naming it Nicaragua, yeah, yeah. Ethiopia. Yeah. I was naming it all, and it felt so good. And they're like, wow, that's really cool. I love to brag about that stuff because, you know, just like yesterday, we had a mission team meeting after church that mm-hmm. wants to go, you know, and, and do mission work. So I love that. So, so when are our next miss, couple of mission trips? When are they coming up for those people that are interested? Um, that's a good question. There's a Richard, Nicaragua one, and there's a Guatemala one, right? Yes, I need to get a firm date on that. Yes. I don't so have those the are coming up soon. And we'll put those are coming up. Information on the app for people to know. Yes, uh, but our church helps churches in in Portland, in Seattle, and not Seattle, in Vancouver, Washington, in Minneapolis, in Boston, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. We've yeah. helped Texas. Yeah, for people listening, it, Wisconsin. In the next twenty years, we'll have the high. There, the they will have more Hispanics. That's their dominant mm-hmm. in in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It's not Caucasian. It's Hispanics will be the dominant race in Wisconsin. Right. The cool new term is Latinx. Latinx, yes, That's right. So yeah, the, we help church. We've helped pastors there with their, um, you know, with their uh, citizenship you know, to make sure they're, you know, legal in America working. Uh, we've gone down to Texas, to Rio Grande. I'm planning Baptist to go there. Bible, I'm planning to go there again in October. Okay. They, they are incredible down there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really cool. So we get, we're touching, we're touching a lot of the world here. Locally, nationally, and internationally. Yeah, out of our, out of the Point Church in Belmont. So right. I'm so proud of that. And then groups. I love groups. Uh, we talked about groups earlier. Um, you know, our, our groups are growing. We, we are offering a lot of cool groups for people that, you know, I, I've told you this before. I try, to, I try to create it where there's no excuses. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't do Monday, but we have a men's group on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I can't do Wednesday. Well, we have a women's group on Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, the, that's my goal. Mm-hmm. Child care, everything. If we can get it all and there's no excuses, then why don't you come? Right. So. Well, you've really taken all kinds of steps to make it easy for people to get connected. And I'm excited about what God's doing in your life and in Kristen's life. And Kristen has served in various capacities while you're married. She's been at Gaston Christian School for a while as a financial mm-hmm. secretary. And now she serves at Venture Church as the financial secretary. And mm-hmm. But also, just and the last thing I want to talk about today is um, your interest in helping people that are outside your biological family. So you fostered kids for a little while, and mm-hmm. that that's a heartbreaking thing. You do it, and you have to release those kids and that kind of stuff. But also something happened in the last year, particularly related to a dream of Kristen's about Sudan. Tell us that story. So Kristen, when we were dating, told me that she said, I want to go to Sudan and help help um, – someone over there because that they need it and i and i joked about this in my message a couple weeks ago you know she said we're gonna watch the lost boys and lost boys a movie about sudan lost boys of sudan and we watched that movie and it didn't change my heart because i really didn't have a heart for that mm-hmm. and um she did so i would i would i would listen to her and she would say one day god's gonna we're gonna do that mm-hmm. and i'd say okay whatever i'm a mailman i don't know uh-huh. if i'm gonna do that you can go over there and uh you know, she had to, uh, as the years pass, I think she come to the realization it just may not happen. Mm-hmm. And and it's so sad when I think about it, but it was great because she gave it to God. She said, here, God, here's my dream. You can have it. And 
I'm going to stop dreaming about that. Mm-hmm. And when she stopped trying to control it and, and to say, this is, I'm going to fit that square into that round hole. Because mm-hmm. God knew, and God knows. And, and the next thing you know, she goes to school and they're like, we've got a Sudanese kid that needs a place to live. And my wife just cried. And she's like, oh. okay, we'll do a Sudanese kid to come over here. To go to school. To go to school and play basketball. Mm-hmm. And so this is an interesting kid. He's like twice your size. He's 6'11. <laughs> and um, oh my gosh, he's so great. And he loves us. Mm-hmm. Or he does a great job faking it. And so <laughs> yeah, for he does. years, you thought you were going to go to Sudan. And ultimately, Sudan came to you. Yes. For right. years, Kristen thought she would go to Sudan. But you're right. Sudan came to us. And. I love that my wife has a passion for that mm-hmm. because I would not trade Gabby. I would not not want Gabby. And Gabby's your students you're hosting your home. Yes, he's yeah, and, and his brother, he loves us so much he wants his brother to live with us. Okay. So he's working on bringing his brother over here. What's his brother's name? Rilpo. Rilpo. And his brother possibly can be will be here in October. Okay. And he's like six nine. So we're gonna have a six eleven, six nine. I love Gabby because he gets to dust the uh ceiling fans for us. <laughs> I don't have to get the ladder out. Like he can just stand right there and do it. But um and and he loves to watch scary movies with me. So I finally got somebody in the house that'll watch scary okay. movies with me. All right, so Max and Kristen are not fans. No, they don't watch scary movies, but okay. Gabby will watch them with me and yeah. he'll he'll enjoy them. So yeah, it. Having Gabby in our house has been a game changer because we fostered and it was a terrible experience. Mm-hmm. And I remember my wife coming outside after we were alone and the girls were gone that we fostered and she cried and she said, I just want to be a mom to one more kid mm. and I feel like I'm too old now and our, mm. our moments pass us. Yeah. And she waited and waited and waited. And, you know, for me it was hard because – my wife is so awesome. She puts, she put aside her dreams so I could have mine. Mm. And when she cried, when I saw her dream. Come true. Well, when I saw her dream crashing, mm-hmm. it was heartbreaking for me because I felt guilty because I knew she had put off adopting so I could go to school. Mm-hmm. So we could church plant. Mm-hmm. And... Then when we finally got that chance to to foster kids, she was so excited, mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. And she cried and said, "I I think I think we're just just gonna be me, you and Max." And I said to her, "It's not a bad thing. Yeah. I, I love me, you and Max. It's been mm-hmm. me, you and Max for years." Mm-hmm. And um, when she got a chance to get Gabby, it's like her eyes lit up again. So tell us about that. What was that like? How did that happen? So she works at Gaston Christian School, and she hears about this conversation around this kid that's coming from Africa, potentially. Yeah, so she was already one foot out the door. She'd already taken the job at Venture Church, so she was already on short time or notice there. Okay. And we, she goes, Brad, there's a girl from Nigeria that needs a house. And I was like, okay, if that's what you want, we'll, we can have it. Mm-hmm. And we prayed about it, and she called me at work, and she said, I just don't think God wants us to have her. Okay. And I was kind of sad because I thought, you've done, you've wanted another kid. We have an opportunity and you don't want her. So, but I, I love my wife. I trust what she's going to do. And I followed her lead. I said, okay. And next thing you know, that next morning, she said, I'm going to go tell them we're not going to take that, that young lady. Mm. She, she goes there and tells them. And they said, well, we got a Sudanese kid right now. It needs a place. Wow. And Kristen was like, this is amazing. This is what I prayed about my whole life. Right. Is helping a Sudanese child. Yeah. And you're giving me that opportunity. Now he's right there in your back door. Now he's right there every day. Um, and it's fun watching him learn and do things in America that he's never done. Yeah. We're going to take him to the beach in a couple of weeks. Cool. That's going to be interesting. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, uh, He's never seen the ocean. Little wow. things like that. Never seen the ocean. No kidding. And it's hard to believe, but yeah, never seen the ocean. So he's excited to, 
to go to the beach and you know we'll be out there i'm short he's tall right but you know he he's a great great kid and max loves him really is max and him get along really well he's got a big brother he does more ways than one yeah max max loves him he's max max lays on him more than he does me does he like max always like oh gabby i'm gonna miss you and okay dad you can leave (laughs) whoa kid well, that can only happen if you have the kind of heart that you and Kristen have to be one together and then also to serve the world together. That makes mm-hmm. a big difference. Yeah, it's it does. But a lot of that's my wife. She's a rock star. That's awesome. So, mm-hmm. Kristen, you're the rock star. Brad, anything else you want to tell us before we go today? Uh, Connection Point's incredible. People watching, if they want to ever join Connection Point, I would yeah. highly recommend it's it. It's kind of like a small group that meets for three Sundays in a row for, during the worship service yeah. for about 30 minutes. 30 minutes, people yeah. connected, right? Another way to plug people in and get them going right. in the right direction, spiritual and gifts. And, preparing to watch this or watching this now, we're, we're probably going to move into one that's in the early part of August, which is the next cycle. So that would be a great time to jump in. Would be. August, second week of August. We'll be Deal. cranking her up again. Well, thanks, Brad, so much for serving with us and for this time together and That's it for this edition of the Next Step Podcast. We'll see you next time for edition number 17 so you can learn another story about people taking their next steps just like we're hoping and praying that you're taking next steps as well too. Have a great day.